Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast. We are not in Kansas anymore, leading in the new normal. Today, we are joined by North Central's very own Dr. Marsha Tongo, faculty in the School of Business. Dr. Tongo has a consulting practice, practice, which I will let her share more about herself in just a moment. So, Dr. Tongo, please inform the listeners more about you and your practice. Okay. Um, let me give you a little bit of my background first. Uh, my background is primarily in organizational development and organizational behavior. And um, a lot of what I've been teaching has been in the School of Business, primarily. And my consulting really deals with organizations that are dealing with change and how they can begin to situate themselves to better able um, to address change and to handle change and to work through change to be better organizations. That's fantastic. We're excited that you've joined us today. And I'm excited to jump into this podcast with you. The title in itself had me very interested. We are not in Kansas anymore, leading in the new normal. So my very first question for you, in what ways have organizations changed as a result of this new normal? Okay, well, let's go back to the title for one minute, Randy, because, you know, it kind of sums up what happened to a lot of organizations, especially recently. You know, if you think of the Wizard of Oz, and that's the example that I used with this, and where Dorothy told Toto where they were not in Kansas anymore. But what they had, what had happened is they had been quickly swept up into a new and not fully understood world. And it happened very quickly. You know, a tornado just came and swept up and then there they were. And then they had to now deal with this new normal. And they weren't sure how long this normal was going to last or if it was even the new normal. So I kind of look at many of our organizations dealing with that right now, especially with the uh, pandemic. Um, Certainly, the biggest change that we see is that many organizations had to move from being structured to becoming virtual. But virtual in and of itself is just one thing. When you when you go internally into the organization and you see all the other elements that uh, businesses and organizations had to address making that move, it's pretty extensive. I mean, consider some of the changes. Think about having to change your work processes now because people, you know, or are not all coming in or you don't have uh, full employment to work with. So now you've got to change your work processes. Uh, how do you now market to customers? Okay. And one of the examples I give is, you know, one of my pet peeves has always been, I go into one of the larger chain grocery stores and every time I go in, they would change the produce and the, and the products around because they wanted you to be exposed to different elements in the store and they wanted you to do impulse shopping. Well, guess what? People are not coming into the store, so you're not getting the impulse. So how do you, shoppers, so how do you begin to reach your customers and clients in new ways? Um, do you now have the right employees? Um, the example I, you know, I think about is restaurants. You know, restaurants, you'd go there and, and you would have waitresses and servers and, of course, the cooks. But now when a lot of restaurants went to takeout, they no longer needed the, west, the, the waitresses and servers, but they needed 
competent drivers and people that could uh, quickly, uh, you know, carry out orders and get them to the place where they belong and then come back. So <clears throat> there's all these little things that begin to impact how organization change changes. And then, of course, the biggest is how does our organizational culture change as a result of this? Because you, when you think of an organizational culture, when you think of the values and the way people relate to one another and how communication occurs in, a, in an organization, all that has now in many ways changed. And when you put add the element of technology and make organizations virtual, now you got to relate totally differently and you got to communicate differently. So all these various elements really has made a difference in terms of organizations. I like the visual image of the Wizard of Oz. As you were sharing, I remember that scene from the movie where Dorothy and Toto were just taken away. And it's, I, I think it's a great way to kind of visually and vividly paint the picture about the new normal that we're currently operating in. So how do these organizations or how do these changes affect the leadership of the organizations? Well, when you begin to think about <clears throat> changes happening within an organization, you begin to think about what are the kinds of skills that are now needed by those leaders? Um, if you're a micromanager or micro leader, it's not going to work if you're virtual. Okay, because now you have a whole different element that you've got to work with. You've got to have greater reliance on trusting your employees and delegating work to your employees. So that may take a different kind of personality or a different type of skill. You have to be able to manage the moment because the moments for businesses and organizations are changing very quickly. And it's a result of, you know, everything that is happening externally. Now, leaders traditionally have always had to adapt to changes in the environment, you know, economic changes or social changes or, you know, marketing changes or political changes. But normally they've always been, you know, kind of linear and kind of slow and, and you've been able to uh, plan and work through them. The changes now are coming very, very fast, and it's almost like a, a very chaotic environment. So you have to be able to do more than manage change. You have to be able to manage and lead through chaos, and that takes some different perceptions and skills. So you have to be resilient to what's happening as well as being adaptive. And that also means that, you know, the way you look at planning and how you look at the future changes, because, you know, when I talk about managing the moment, because the changes are coming so fast, you know, I can remember back not too long ago where the big deal was, you know, let's do five-year strategic plans. You can't even think of doing a five-year strategic plan now. You're lucky you can do a one-year plan in terms of being able to carry your organization forward because you don't know what's going to impinge on you from many different directions. I mean, you, you think of some of the industries that were affected. Look at, um, you know, like Tyson, for example. Okay. So, you know, you have a plan that you're going to produce so many chickens or whatever to get them out to market. Now, all of a sudden, all your employees are real. So how do you do that? How do you plan for that? How do you plan beyond that? So 
you have to have a little broader way of thinking as a leader, I believe. And um, you have to move beyond just like I said, you know, of uh, micromanaging. You just you can't do that. You have to trust more. I like how you incorporated trust into this conversation because that's a key element when working in the virtual environment. And you mentioned that in the traditional face-to-face organizations, they kind of rely on, or at times rely on micromanagement, which is something that you cannot necessarily utilize or implement in the virtual environment since people are working remotely. So how do employees understand and cope with change in the virtual environment. You alluded to some of it by speaking about the chaos and resilience, but I'm so curious, how do employees understand and cope with change in the virtual environment? Well, I think that's that's another important uh, skill of leadership. One, communication has to be consistent and complete um, and, and constant, okay? I mean, you have to keep your employees within the loop of what is going on all the time. You have to motivate and encourage in different ways. Okay, a lot of a lot of the employees are going through their own personal issues. So not only are they trying to deal with the employment changes they're dealing trying to deal with personal changes or family changes. So you have to show some some compassion. You have to um, you have to lead a little more with your heart as well as your head, and I think employees respond to that. Okay, they know when a leader is being sincere, and they know when a leader is being insincere. And I think that if they know they have the support of a sincere leader who is keeping them in the loop in terms of what's going on and what may be changing, or how their life may be changing or how their work may be changing, then they're able to manage it. But if the expectation is that the employee will just know and keep going on, then the leader is really not doing their best in terms of working with their employee and helping them to manage change. Leading with the heart and compassion. Those are two great qualities that you mentioned here, and it makes me think of being a servant leader. And in the virtual environment, we definitely need to make sure we're cultivating or nurturing a culture of trust and that open communication. You mentioned motivation and encouragement and and kind of addressing the full employee, not just the individual during the work hours, but the individual who's bringing some of that personal life into their day-to-day with the organizations. I, I, I appreciate you sharing those key elements because it's so essential and so necessarily, no, so ne- necessary and needed in today's virtual environment. Let me ask you, are there specific strategies that leaders can adopt to approach change and the challenges that come along with those change initiatives in the virtual environment? Well, yeah, there's actually three different strategies that, you know, you can kind of consider uh, when you're dealing with these kinds of situations and these kinds of changes. Um, and I like to outline them this way. First, you know, let me explain something that, you know, if we look at chaos, the word chaos is really a Greek word, which comes from, which means chasm, okay, which means an empty space. It's an empty space. 
So one of the issues related to chaos is that often we we react with fear uh, because you know we're not sure of what's going to happen, but it is really a canvas of opportunity. And I think that's really important to keep in mind that when we're going through this canvas of opportunity, when we're going through this can this chaos, that organizations have a chance to remake themselves and be better. So, you know, change isn't all bad. Chaos isn't all bad. But there are three ways that, you know, I, I kind of talk about in terms of um, organizations being able to uh, to cope or to adapt and leaders too being able to handle their organizations. Well, as I said earlier, we're very used to linear change, which means we're, we're used to dealing with a change that's situational, that we deal with the change and then we go back to what we consider normal. We confront a problem, make a change or correction, and then we, we keep going back, we keep going on. But the problem is when there is no normal, when there is no line, there's nothing to really go back to. So, you know, you have to kind of to do some things um, with a greater amount of vision, a greater amount of tolerance. So the three things. OK, um, one is that, you know, resilience. And then in terms of resilience, when we talk about that is we're building up our organizations and our strengths and reserves so that they can they're capable of understanding um, change and the shock of change and not get totally um, destroyed through the change and that they're able to recover easily. Now when you think of resilience, which is which which you need to consider is that it's something that actually takes some forethought. Okay, it's something um that you do a little bit in terms of thinking of possibility. What is the possibility that this could happen? And an example that I always like to share is um, think of architects and engineers when they design and construct buildings. They're doing it in many places so that they can withstand earthquakes. Now the earthquakes may not be there, the chaos and confusion may not be there, but we're thinking of the possibility and we're planning for that. Or small business might see organizations fortifying um, their current positions and strengthening their product lines, their customer service, and their staffing so that when changes occur, that they're, they're prepared and they're ready to, to move on it and to handle whatever comes up. The second thing is um, borrowing from the Chinese, and I really like this, it's called Wu Wei, which means um, without effort. It means non-action to act without acting, basically, and just moving and flowing with the nature of events. And the best example here is if you think of a stone in a stream and the stone just sits there and it allows the stream to either move above it or beside it or actually move it, but it allows the actions to take place, okay? And in business, this could mean that you just maintain that your current course, don't make any changes in your products or market, and just be still and see what happens to your business as a result of the changes. Now, that has some risk to it. Um, but on the other hand, it also maintains 
some stability. So that's something that a leader's got to measure out in terms of, you know, what is the best type of effort for my organization and my employees in terms of them. The third is actual transformation. And transformation comes from the Middle English and actually means change of shape. So it means that the leader and the organizations have to devise a whole new vision to leap forward. Okay. And of course, you know, I I like to borrow examples from the natural world. And the best example, of course, is the butterfly. And the butterfly just goes through this great metamorphosis and, and from a caterpillar to become a butterfly and adapts and evolves. And in some businesses, we see this happening where the business creates a whole new vision and they rework themselves into something new. Maybe it's new product lines. Maybe it's going into new markets. Maybe it's developing new collaborative and strategic partnerships, new marketing campaigns, whatever it is, to keep up and go beyond the current changes. So all of these strategies, none of them are right or wrong. Each creates a different response and you know, it requires different skills and temperament on the part of the leader. And it also means a different kind of you know, adaptation in terms of the organization. That is great information. And my next question, it leads me into my next question, since you mentioned about the different responses and different sets of skills. But before we get into that question, I just want to kind of extract some terms that you mentioned that, again, piqued my interest. Canvas of opportunity. I absolutely love that term and how organizations and individuals within the organization can kind of embrace or see change through a different lens and chaos through a different lens as a canvas of opportunity, an opportunity to kind of start from scratch or enhance some existing strategies. So I I, I really, really like that term. And I wanted to just kind of mention that because uh, you, you mentioned that and I wanted to kind of share a little bit about that. And then when you were talking about change and transition, because I've always thought that change happens quickly in most organizations. You know, a, a new strategy comes into place, a new initiative comes down the pike. But what takes time is transition, transitioning to that change initiative. Those individuals have to shift their mindset. And you were touching on that as you were talking about those three strategies of resilience and the wooey Chinese, um, the not the no action. And I like that. Again, I'm very visual. So to hear you talk about the rock in the water and how the water can go above or the side or actually can be moved by it is absolutely phenomenal. I appreciate that and the transformation strategy as well. So let's let's get into those skill sets that you mentioned that each strategy presents a different response and require different skills from individuals. Can you share a little bit more about that in the in, in, in the environment? Well, I think, you know, in if we're talking about being resilient, And being resilient as a leader, what that's going to mean, especially, you know, in an organization is that you know where you need to shore up. You know where your weaknesses currently are in an organization. You know where you need to build your employees, where you need to build your markets, whatever it may be. So that takes, you know, a a type of vision in terms of being able to see, you know, it's almost like looking at um. with another vision, looking, you know, looking at a, at a dam and seeing, you know, where are the holes that may need plugged at some time. 
So, you know, having that ability to do that and to see that is really important. And then being able to move on it. Um, you know, we takes patience. And, you know, um, it takes somebody who is willing to say, okay, I'm going to see what these changes bring. And then I'm going to deal with them as they come up. So, you know, that type of leader is not somebody, you know, that's really when I call the managing of the moment type of leader, because that kind of leader is really looking at what's happening with each opportunity, with each change, and how do I need to better situate my organization? So that leader has a little bit different viewpoint than, let's say, the resilient leader. And of course, transformation, transformation means you have a much higher vision. And transformation is, you know, it's it's not moving the furniture in the living room around. It's tearing the room down totally so that um, so that you can rebuild it. So that, you know, we build a whole structure. So that becomes really important. Um, but all of them are adaptive strategies. So for a leader, you know, all, all of them are different ways to adapt. So when we talked about adaptive leadership, sometimes people think there's only one way to adapt, but there's more than one way. And I want to say that, you know, one of the things that we're also, leaders are also confronting right now is that we're dealing with a different type of change. We're dealing with, in many ways, evolutionary change. And this becomes more challenging because it's multi-systematic, it's multi-dimensional, and it's multi-phasic. So, you know, it's actually moving us to a higher level of functioning and thinking and actually moving our business and or businesses and organizations to a higher level of functioning. So you see, it's not just organizations and businesses that are changing. We're seeing multiples of systems changing. We're seeing economic, political, social, educational, cultural, technological, everything's changing simultaneously. So Think again about being able to adapt in a sea of change that's so extensive. Um, that's that's really I know pretty that's pretty overwhelming sometimes when you think about it. But we're, it's multi-level, and you know the leader today has to realize I think a good leader today that you're not just leading the organization. You're leading you're leading more than that. You're leading the organization into a social network and an economic network, um, an environmental network. And you have to understand how they interface. So you have to have the ability to think systemically. Right, right. And I think that's those are great points that you make. And as you're talking about these skill sets and strategies and adaptive leadership, it brings to mind that organizations need to ensure that they are also including diversity, equity, and inclusion into the tapestry of their organization. And when I think of change, I'm thinking of those types of initiatives, diversity. I'm thinking about the, you know, the differences of the, the differences that people bring to the organizations, valuing the possibilities. And I know when people think about diversity, they're thinking about 
you know, gender roles sometimes. And I, and I feel like that's something we should, we should highlight in this conversation. I'm naturally curious and I'm hoping that our listeners also are, it's their peak, it's, we're peaking their interest. I'm just curious, is there a difference in how men and women respond to change? I personally think so. Um, you know, part of my studies when I was studying organizational um, development was really with a focus on looking at women's organizations and how they how they see organizations and change. And I think women have chaos and change inbred in their physicality just due to their cycles and the changes that they go through and their ability to undergo massive chaos and change personally. And that they can carry this through in terms of being able to be a leader who understands what it means to go through these changes and what it means for their employees to go through these changes. Now, I'm not saying that that men do not have that capacity. I'm saying that men don't have uh, a physically inbred kind of experience of these kinds of consistent changes to fall back on as much as women do. And I think that that's something that we overlook many, many times and that we should take into consideration as we move into the future. Great information. Great information. Dr. Tanjul, are there any additional insights you would like to share with us today? There's only one thing that I I, want to add on to what you had said about um, the importance of organizations, you know, having a diverse lens. And uh, it's not just a question of having um, a diverse lens in terms of differences and diversity, but that lens has to be a diverse and an inclusive lens. And I think that's really, really, really important because we have a lot of organizations out there that say, okay, I'm diverse. And they look at their numbers and their statistics. And yeah, it may say that, but it doesn't mean that they're inclusive. So in order to go through these changes, what we need to do is hear as many voices as possible and as many diverse voices, because that's going to strengthen any organization in terms of their capability to problem solve, take risks, and move beyond any situations that they may be facing. That's a, that's a great way to end our conversation today. This has been phenomenal. I appreciate all the insight that you shared today. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting the Center for Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insights here today and great practices that you shared, which I'm sure will be helpful to our listeners. Is there any last nugget you would like to share with our listeners today. Excuse my dog barking in the background. (laughs) I apologize. The mailman came. That's all. Well, welcome to the virtual organization, right? (laughs) Well, thank you again. We appreciate you. Thank you listeners for um, for tuning in with, with us today. And again, thank you for supporting the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. Have a great day. It's been a pleasure.